0: Are Locked On Pistons your daily Detroit Pistons podcast? Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by Mickelode Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill You can find me on YouTube at Koos Ballroom. You can also find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, where I'm writing articles about the Pistons. And today, I am joined by Bryce over at Motor City Hoops, just like I told you guys he would be here. How you doing, Bryce?
0: I'm good, Koo, as always. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to tr- talk some Detroit Piston basketball.
1: Yep, as always, man. Isn't it just so much fun to talk about the Pistons all the time? It, it's <laughs> yes, sir. so much fun. <laughs> but, all right, so on today's podcast, we're going to talk about a report, my first ever, Kooke Hill's first ever <laughs> report. We're going to talk about what I said today, uh, something I reported today. We'll talk about that for the final time. I told you guys this will be the final time. I have a few of you guys tweet me be like, I don't believe you. Uh, I promise this will be the final time. Then also, Bryce has something he wants to talk about with Cade and Jeremy Grant. We'll get to that later on as well. And then also, I asked Bryce the from last podcast, I gave you guys a skill I'd give to three different Pistons players in this offseason. I'm going to ask Bryce the same question, and let's see who he picks and what skill he picks. So, But first off, Bryce, as you know, we've dealt with a lot of speculation ever since the Pistons won the lottery. Literally, the day after the Pistons won the lottery, the Pistons Pistons fans couldn't even celebrate for less than 24 hours before we were hit with, oh, well, the Pistons may not actually get K. They could like Jalen Green, and it ever since then it's just been nonstop speculation. Pistons fans have been losing their minds. It's been all over the place. It looks like it, it literally looks like a, a town after it got hit with a bunch of pitchforks and 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 fire. Everyone's just losing their minds. So today I got sick of it. You guys know how I feel about this. I, I've been. I, I've been really tired of hearing all of this and dealing with all of the speculation that goes on with it and, and the the fighting that's going on amongst business Twitter and everybody in it, whatever side you're on. I was, I've been getting sick of this. So today, I usually don't do this. I've never done this before, um, but today I got sick of it. So today I reported from one of my sources. I said, I, let me go ahead and I'll just read you the tweet word for word. I said, barring a godfather offer, Sources tell me that K. Cunningham is the overwhelming favorite to be drafted into number one by the Pistons. <laughs> so that right there is the last I'll talk about it because everyone. I had a few people talk about, you know, we, there's all kinds of drama been going on, and you guys know that a few, like last week, there's a few people talking about. Well, you know, people who are talking that don't know anything and don't have insight, or or don't really know anything going on within the organization, don't really have things to speak on, are talking about things, and they should just leave that to the people who know things. Well. I guess I know some things. I guess, I guess I know a little bit more than people think I know. So, Bryce, after I read that to you, what, what's your thoughts about that?
0: No, like I, I've kind of watched this from afar a little bit, Koo, and, and I understand. I definitely understand your frustration. I understand the frustration of Pistons fans because it seemed like we got, what, like 10 seconds to celebrate winning this lottery, which is a huge lottery to win. We're not talking about the Anthony Bennett lottery, right? We're talking about a lottery with Cade Cunningham. You know, and so I understand that. You know, any time we see like maybe they'll trade it, maybe they like maybe Troy Weaver likes Mobley, maybe he likes Jalen Green. That Pistons fans like that makes us nervous and uneasy. I, I agree with you though. Like I think that that your report, um, you know, that we are taking Cade Cunningham. I will say though that I I don't want us to like. Um, overthink anytime we hear, oh, the Pistons are talking to Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or anybody else in the draft. I tweeted out today, "Ku, I hope Troy Weaver and his staff is checking in on every single player in this draft because you want to get to know them and have that information for stuff that may happen down the road." But I understand your frustration. I know it can get confusing. Um, you know, I, I listen to the podcast almost every day, and I heard what you talked about the kind of confusing reports coming out with different articles and that can get hard for fans to decipher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you about, I hope he goes through and, and interviews as many people as he's interested in or likes or whatever, because let like you said, things can come up later down the line, like five, six, seven years from now. And people will be able to go back and be like, Hey, I've always had a good relationship with this dude, Troy Reaver, or I've always had a good relationship with this player, Jalen green or Evan Mobley, et cetera. So, I completely agree with you on that as well. And then also, I kind of said this on the last podcast as well, is that people need to understand and I understand this is like I've said multiple times, this has been caused a lot by some of the reports and speculation and articles that have been put out about the Pistons possibly not getting Cade. But before the lottery, the Pistons did not have the first overall pick. They did not think they were getting Cade. Like you have to you can't go into the draft or the draft lottery leading up to that to be like, "Oh, we're getting the first pick." That would be malpractice. That would be t- you'd be stupid to do that. So of course they like they probably like Jalen Green. Of course they probably like Evan Mobley. Of course they've done their their work on these guys, and I'm sure they have a bunch of good things to say about them. But all of that changes once you win the the overall the lottery, and now you got the prize of Cade Cunningham. So the reports, I'm not saying the reports that the Pistons like Jalen Green are wrong. It, it very I'm going to absolutely agree. They probably very much like him, but it's Cade Cunningham, and like I said, unless a a Godfather offer comes through or a uh, shocking turn of events happened. Cade is right now the overwhelming favorite to be drafted by the Pistons, like overwhelming. And it would be a shocker if they don't draft him. So yeah. that, that's basically
0: – go ahead. I was going to say I agree, and I think when I was on, I said, you know, I think you asked me if there was any chance that they didn't, and I said yes. Like, I hope people take that in the context. Like, I just mean, of course there's a chance. Like, I think there's a 98% chance we draft Cade. We, we talked about this, that if Troy Weaver, you know, maybe – wants to outsmart you know everybody else or overthink it like it's possible but we're just uh, to me I'm just saying that it's possible not likely whatsoever um you may hate me for asking this question though but is there a legit like is is there a couple players in the league you would trade this pick for though um Luca
1: yeah, yeah Luca and so you mean like literally I can say anybody
0: Yeah, like, I mean, and this is where it gets to your point, unless it has to be a godfather trade that would literally not make sense for the other team because the Mavs, that would be a bad trade for the Mavs to trade Luka for the number one pick. But, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, though, you start saying no to guys based off contracts, age, and those things as well. So, I mean, just is there a few guys you can think of off the top of your head?
1: Um, Luka, obviously, maybe, um, I mean, maybe Trey Young. Okay, maybe those are the two names for me. Yeah, maybe Trey Young, and then I don't know. May actually yeah, that probably it probably ends right there. I, I could probably think of a few if, if I sat down and thought about it, but those are the first two, the top that uh, pop off uh, top of my head. Maybe I saw some people say maybe Jason Tatum. Um, I don't. It's a very short list, very short list, and it, it like you said, it wouldn't make sense for the other teams either. So I don't, I don't see that offer coming for sure. But yeah, that that's that's the last of it that we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about this. I'm not going to speak for Bryce. I, I didn't mean to speak for that. <laughs> speak for yet. Bryce. i meant for myself. I'm not going to talk about this anymore because it's really frustrating to talk about, and uh, I know it's frustrating for you guys to talk about. So hopefully, uh, me reporting that and putting that out there gives you guys a little bit of like ease and able to let you guys celebrate as well. And also, by the way, Bleacher Report came out with an article today. At least I believe it was Bleacher Report that that dropped it. Uh, basically said that. They had some people within the Pistons organization close to Torrey River staff already say that they've been indicated that Kay Cunningham's going to be the pick. I believe that was Bleacher Report came out. There. It might have been, it could have been the effect, but I'm almost 99% sure it was Bleacher Report. And then also earlier in that article, that same article, the thing that actually, Bryce, did you read this article? I did not read this
0: article today.
1: So this is actually something that it. We actually have to talk about that too. We have to talk about this because this is something that's actually very interesting to me. So I actually wish I were brought this this screenshot up. Uh, but in this article, earlier in it, like the paragraph before, they say that there's some people that they've been told that are close to Troy River that have already indicated that Kate Cunningham's likely the pick. Uh, right before then, they said the people that were telling them that the Pistons really like Jalen Green, they could not, uh, they could take Jalen Green, blah, blah blah, all that stuff. They said in that article by Bleacher Report, they were reporting that it was rival GM telling, telling them that. So it wasn't even people inside the Pistons organization. It wasn't people close to the Pistons. At least what Bleacher Report reported is that it was rival GM saying that. So what do you think about that? That's actually really interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel I wish again. I think I've said this before that I wish I could sit in on like a coaches meeting to figure out the strategy. Like I'd love to sit in in a Clippers coaches meeting right now or a Bucks. Like you know, like. Prayers up for Giannis that there's no structural damage to his injury. But like sitting in the Bucks' coach's office, you know, tonight, like game planning, how much fun would it be to sit in a GM's, you know, an organizational meeting like that? Like you're telling me those dudes they don't have friends in another at another team. Be like, you know, whether there's a strategy behind it or just to like have fun and draw up, you know, drama or whatever, that they don't text like, oh, I heard from so-and-so, you know, right below Troy Weaver that they really, really like Jalen Green, you know? So, like, I I think there's some gamemanship like that that goes on. And then real quick, I found the article. So, second paragraph, but we can only write what we know. Sources tell Bleacher Report that certain staff around general manager Troy Weaver were initially informed about Detroit's plan to take Cunningham. So... That that was the Bleacher Report article.
1: Yep, and then the paragraph right before, literally the sentence right before that says, "But some rival teams have brought up the Pistons' possible interest in G League Ignite star Jalen Green." So I don't know. I I think that's pretty. At least for me, that's pretty interesting because I feel like everything leading up to everyone. Now, this is just Bleacher Report's report, so it's not like this. This is just one hundred percent true, but I think it's interesting because we've all thought and we've all like just thought to ourselves that oh, this is stuff like being leaked out by the Pistons or or uh, we're hearing this from inside the Pistons organization, like maybe someone's leaking out the Pistons like Jalen Green or they may actually take Jalen Green. And now Bleacher Report saying this is coming from rival GMs. So I feel like that could be, I I think that's all like pretty interesting to think about, like why would they do this or which do you believe, like all this other stuff. But it definitely speaks to, I think that kind of speaks to the report I put out as well that Cade's the overwhelming favorite right now for the Pistons. And it seems like that Bleach Report is saying as well, they've, they're they hearing the same thing close uh, inside the Pistons organization.
0: And here's so, what I want to tell Pistons fans, real quick, Ku, because I know we have to move on. But Cade Cunningham is the overwhelming number one pick in a draft with at least two, if not three or four other, like maybe not franchise changing guys, but like really high level prospects. Like Evan Mobley and Jalen Green are really, really high-level prospects who probably go number one in quite a few other drafts. So for all you Pistons, I assume only Pistons fans are listening, maybe some non-Pistons fans are listening as well, but take a lot of promise in that. He is the overwhelming, and you made this point, Koo, he is the overwhelming favorite, number one pick, top prospect in what is a really talented draft.
1: Absolutely. The Pistons are lucky and and lucky to be number one here and everyone should be extremely happy about it. But uh, before we, before we come back, like I said, we're going to talk about something Bryce said that he wants to talk about with Cade and Jeremy Grant. But before we get to that, let me tell you guys about my, this week's Michelob Ultra moment of the week. So it it was, you know, with these things, it doesn't always have to be, it doesn't always have to be great things. I would say, because this moment I'm going to say for me, the highlight of this week, not even a highlight, just a moment of this week was seeing Giannis go down. It absolutely stunned everybody. It brought everyone. Everyone was just praying that this guy was going to be okay because everyone knows how much joy and happiness Giannis brings to the Bucs and the, their fans and all of us watching. We want to see him play in the playoffs. We want to see him get a chance to get this finals run and get this ring. And we were all sitting back and just praying and hoping that he didn't get any structural damage. And I guess this is the highlight of the week that – we got a report today from, I believe, Rojanowski put it out that there was no structural damage with Giannis, his knee, and they're going right now. His future is up for, uh, is uncertain right now, but we can confirm that he does not have any structural damage in his knee. So thank God. We all like to see Giannis on the court. He brings us a bunch of happiness watching the game of basketball, watching the Milwaukee Bucks play. So hopefully he can get back out on the court. Hopefully he's able to have this finals on it, but even if not, he's able to avoid serious injury and be able to have chances at finals runs moving forward. So the good news, the bad news initially, but then eventually the great news surrounding Giannis onto the Kumpo is my Miklov ultra moment of the week. All right, bye. So you said there was something you wanted to bring up between Cade and Jeremy Grant. Go ahead and take the floor.
0: Yeah, so just real quick, I just want to say, like, that's awesome for Giannis. Cause I've torn my ACL four times whenever I was playing in complaining. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a my whole, God. that's a whole story. Like, you know, it, it, it's a whole thing. No, time so. out. You got to tell, tell something about the story. Four, uh, eight,
1: four times?
0: Yeah, it's a long story, bro. I promise. I promise. Whenever you bring me back on sometime, I'll tell it. I promise. But. Okay, you know, we have to hold him to it. Everyone yeah. heard him say it. We have to hold him to it. Okay, so. Whenever it happened, I would have bet a lot of money the ACL ligament damage for sure, man. Like that's that's not how I hurt mine, but just the way that moved and everything. So like, like he's so fortunate. Like I don't want to say lucky, but like that's just a it's just, it's incredible. Like it really is because honestly, we would have lost Giannis as an NBA fans community for all of next year with when this injury happened, you know, pretty much. So um, if it was ACL or worse, so it, it, it's awesome that, that no structural damage, even if he doesn't play in the playoffs. So I just wanted to say that. But, okay, Jeremy Grant, Cade Cunningham. So one of my things about Jeremy Grant, long-term with the Pistons or whatever, is I questioned whether he would be a number one option for, you know, a, a I don't want to say championship, but like a contender, a playoff team. And there's some stats that back it up. If you look at his quarter field goal percentage, his worst quarters are his second and fourth quarter. If you look at his field goal percentage in terms of the, the minutes left in the quarter, it's worse in the last three minutes. And so my point is, I he averaged 20 a game, but I question whether Jeremy Grant was ready or is able to make those tough shots, those clutch shots, End of games, end of shot clocks, big moments. And that's no knock on Jeremy, but not everybody has that. Well, you know who will the best clutch scorer in the college basketball was last year, Koo? Who was it? Cade Cunningham. So there you go. What I love about Cade is I feel like even if Jeremy Grant is maybe quote unquote the number one scoring option in quarters one, two, and three, or the first eight minutes of a quarter or whatever, we now have that quote-unquote closer, that clutch guy that then can take those tough buckets whenever you have to go get a bucket on your own. Because I, I think that Jeremy Grant was better in isolation than I thought um, he was going to be, but still not great. So I love this for Jeremy Grant, and I think it may extend his stay in Detroit even longer for people who thought he may have been out in the next couple of years or maybe not sign on past the current contract.
1: All right. So before I talk about the, the main point of what you said, what you said at the end there, I actually want to ask you about, so if you had to make a prediction, do you think that Jeremy, so I'll give you two I'll, I'll give you a two uh, side question here. I do not actually, I don't know if that's really a two side question. I don't know what exactly this would be called. <laughs> uh, if you, if you had to pick between either Jeremy Grant getting an extension with the Pistons or being traded in the next two years, which one would you take your chances on?
0: Honestly, before the lottery, I would have said traded. Now I think he's here long-term. Okay, so I also think that he could be here long-term. I said this before the lottery. I thought possibly he
1: would get an extension before they traded him. Uh, but I, I agree. I think the lottery accelerates that rebuild to where the original thought was well, maybe Jeremy would be too old by the time they actually want to start winning some games. I, With the acceleration of the rebuild, getting the number one over our pick in Cade, it definitely makes it to where, okay, maybe we're, that that's not the truth anymore, and we can try to win with them now. But anyways, yep. I got real, a little bit on a tangent.
0: Go ahead. Real, real quick, I just want to say, because you bring this up a lot, the treasure chest, right? We talk about this all the time. And making a trade for a superstar, if Cade is the guy we think he is, you no longer have to attach Jeremy Grant to a trade to acquire that superstar, if that makes sense. I used to think you would have to package Jeremy Grant to go and get our superstar, but now I think he can fall into that 1B um, position behind Cade. And then even after the contract's up, let's say Sadiq Bey becomes option number two or we trade for a, a better option number two, Grant can fall in, into option number three, kind of like what he's been you know, the, the rest of his career. So... I think he has a long-term future here. Yep, so do I. I, th- I think he would be here longer term than people think, all the people putting out
1: trade rumors, whatever, about him. But let I me mean, about what you said with the whole fourth quarter scoring and where Jeremy struggled with, I completely agree. With Jeremy last year, obviously it was his first year he was going to have struggles, he was going to have growing pains. And that was somewhere that he did have growing pains, even though he did have some highlights. There was one there, there was one sequence that I broke down real early in the year Against the Raptors, when he completely, I believe, it was like the end of the fourth quarter, he shook, uh, not Giannis, he shook Pascal Siakam twice on the way to the rim and was able to score on him uh, late in the late in the game, which was really dope. Uh, he had a few moments, but definitely he seemed to struggle uh, with that kind of thing, especially once Blake and Derrick Rose left, uh, once the defense has completely put all their energy on him and focus on him, he definitely seemed to struggle with it a little bit more. Which is fine, like Bryce said, it's not the end of the world. It, it was his first year in this kind of role, but getting him some hope in this area definitely is cool to see, and that's somewhere that Kay Cunningham is definitely going to be able to help. And I'll throw this out there as well, Bryce. I, I'm gonna go ahead and go with a little hot take right here. You want to know someone else that I will not be shocked if not maybe not next year, but maybe two years from now could even be like better than Jeremy in that role. Like could be like we could have like legit
0: three guys that could go do this. Is it like a kind of out of nowhere? You want me to guess? Are you going with an yeah, out of ahead. nowhere? I hope you're going to say Frank Jackson because I would be stoked.
1: I'm not going to say it was <laughs> not Frank Jackson, but
0: <laughs> I know how much you love Frank Jackson though. So if you if you want to take time to talk about it, we can. <laughs> no, no, I, I just I that was wishful thinking. You know how I am, Koo, man. Like I I've, I I've, I've, I make decisions with my heart sometimes, and so Frank Jackson, man, I love that dude. So. No, it, so it, it's not Frank Jackson, who I was going to say, and
1: there's going to be some, there's going to be a part of the Pistons fan base that's going to be like, dude, what the hell are you talking about, blah, blah blah.
0: I'm just going to say Killian Hayes. Uh, you, I think you're high on his ahead. scoring ability. I love that coup. You, you, you like you, you think he has potential there as a scorer. So this is the thing. I, I've been, like I said, let me just give the backstory
1: again for anyone. If this happens to be your first podcast listening to. I was not as – I was concerned just like everybody else was after the first, like, eight games. I I was being – I kept it in context. Obviously, it was first eight games, whatever. I wasn't getting too down on him. But I was definitely seeing some things that was, like, concerning me a little bit. But then when he came back, after listening to uh, one of the guests we've had on here, Hal, uh, Laz over at Detroit Bad Boys, one of my editors, uh, reading a few things about Killian Hayes as well, reading some of his scouting for all this stuff, the things that they talked about him, I saw all – I like, I saw this. Like, I could see why they thought this in the second half of the season. This is the thing about Killian that makes me believe, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, Bryce, on the podcast. If I haven't, correct me. But one of my worries with Dwayne Casey and Killian Hayes is that he's going to force him or force him and pigeonhole him into this, like, oh, you're just a playmaker role. Yep. And you just, that, that's a concern of mine because I don't think that's who he is. He was the guy overseas. And this is the thing with Killian Hayes. I'll maintain this. I'll probably do another film breakdown and post it on YouTube and Twitter later on this week. But Killian is able to create space. That That's the thing that makes me so like in, so, like so confident in his score, future scoring ability and be able to create for himself. There's a lot of times where, and I've pointed this out so many times, that Killian creates space or or gets a step on his defender or yanks his defender around because he has a, a super creative handle, a tight handle. I understand he doesn't, He needs to get his right hand stronger, but he still has an extremely tight handle and is what's it called? It's a it's a creative handle. I guess that's like probably the main point of my argument here is that he has such a creative handle to where he'll go. He'll string a bunch of moves together and he'll yank a dude around or get a step on a guy or create space. And then this past year, the problem was either two things. One, he wouldn't take advantage of the step he created on a guy. He would just do it and then like stand there, which was so frustrating for me to watch over and over. Because he could have he could have done so many things with it. Or two, he lacked confidence with I, I'll point this out as well. I wanted to see him take more of his step back shots. People were saying stop taking them. I <laughs> want to see him take yes. them.
0: Yes, that's his favorite. it looks the most natural, that step back.
1: Yes, exactly. That's that was gonna be my point. It, it it seems like that's his most natural and and like comfortable move. And he creates a ton of space and open looks off of it. I wanted to see him take more of it, but Either one, he didn't take that shot, or two, he just stood there and didn't take advantage of it. So I think, I I seriously believe that Killian Hayes, if he can get his shooting together and get some more confidence, which I do believe he's going to do, and just for anyone noticing it. I believe I read, and and by all the Instagram stories and updates I've been seeing, uh, I believe Killian has been in Detroit like almost every day since the season ended training. I'm I'm almost 100% sure about this. From everything I've seen and read, he's been in Detroit damn near every day training since the season. He hasn't taken a break yet.
0: So, so he he's, go ahead. Look, I was just gonna say you bring up a good point, and you were the one again. I, I I like to give people credit for, and so I like to give you credit for this. Is I was one of those guys, who that's like I don't know if his isolation game's good enough. I don't know if he's explosive enough, and I I saw tweets about it. So I you you had tweets about it. So I started watching the game closer, and you're right. He'll either mo- shake a guy and then not go by. Or he'll shake a guy, go by, and he almost plays to pass instead of to score, and so it's not quite as noticeable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those are the two things with him that was just so frustrating for me to watch this past season. I was like, dude, you did the hard part. The hard part is is shaking the dude. You, you, you got to the spot, but that's just why I'm a believer in Killian. At first, like I said, I wasn't as big of a believer in him but he convinced me in the second half of the. I saw these little things that made me a believer. So I think the Pistons realistically just off the current roster in like a year or two, I know we got off on a little tangent. We usually do, but uh, I believe in like a year or two, we could be looking like three legitimate guys that can go get their own bucket and could possibly be closer. Or not, I, I mean, I'm not going to put these left or lofty expectations on Killian Hayes after his rookie season, but I do see a future where he could be one of those guys as well for the Pistons. So we could possibly be having like three guys on the team that could do it. And that's not even taking into account if, somehow, some way, which I think this is less likely. I guess we could talk about this in another podcast, but I think Sadiq Bey getting like a, a, a good handle and finishing around the rim is so far less likely than Killian Hayes actually becoming a scorer. Uh, but that's just how, where I'm at with it. I guess we could talk about that another time. But that, if Sadiq Bey were able to do that, then he could possibly even be one of those guys. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But yeah, unless yeah. There is, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just real quick on Bey. I, I think you and I are very similar on this coup. I think we're closer to Sadiq Bey's ceiling than we are anybody else in this of our rookie class. And that's not a bad thing. Like I'm not saying there's not gonna be small improvements, but you're right. I, I, I think seeing some of the jumps he needs to make are gonna be hard to see. And there's he's gonna be a really good player and maybe he'll make a couple all stars. But I think we're he was he was closer to his ceiling last year already than either of the other rookies.
1: Yep, I agree with you. So I guess we could dive, that, dive further into that in another podcast. But before we get into the, the three players, you get to give each one of them one skill. We get to see what Bryce thinks about that. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Rock Auto. If you ever need a part for your car, head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning just for one of the workers to tell you that they don't have the part that you're looking for. I know I have. Hopefully, I don't have to deal with that ever again, or not ever, but any in the future now that I got this new car. But that's why you should avoid all these problems and rock with another one of our sponsors, RockAuto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand using RockAuto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to RockAuto.com and start shopping. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So, Bryce, like I said, we're going to be talking about three players. Give them one skill each. You have to pick one player and give them skill each. Who are you picking and why? I, I'm sure you said that you watch or not watch. I keep saying watch. You guys do not watch the podcast. You guys listen to the podcast. Uh, you said you listened to the last podcast. You saw the players I had went with. Uh, I was really boring and went with three straight shooting, uh, outside shooting answers. So, uh, But I know you said before the podcast, before we started recording, that you actually had some interesting ones. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So first I know you maybe feel like it was boring coup, but it it reaffirmed how I felt about this team, hearing you talk about shooting with each one of those guys, because I feel the same way about this team and how valuable shooting is. So I don't think you went wrong. You know, I don't think you went wrong with those at all. Like I, I think those were all three legit and a huge aspect that needs improvement with this team. So, um, but my three, so I'll keep it just like legit here to start. I think Killian Hayes, and you tell me if, I don't know, maybe I'm cheating with this a little bit, but to build off what we just talked about, so number one would be Killian Hayes, and the skill I'd like to see him develop is just flat out looking to score the basketball. I think the talent is there. I think the skill level is there. He has to come off pick and roll and be willing to shoot that floater. He has to be willing to shoot a pull-up jumper, shooting you know high off the glass with that left hand. So... I I personally consider it a skill. Um, I think a mental aspect of the game is a skill. So for Killian Hayes this offseason, the, the the mentality of looking to score the basketball. Okay, that's
1: fair. I agree
0: with that one, obviously. What's your next one? So Isaiah Stewart, and I want him, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, I want him to be a pick-and-roll lob threat because like, that would require like some more athleticism. I don't know if we want to get into the hands debate that, that we always get close to going into. Um, <laughs> I want to see, I would give Isaiah Stewart or like to see him develop. It's like, I'm giving out superpowers. I think we talked all that Marvel before. <laughs> um, I'd like to see Isaiah Stewart be a better playmaker. And I don't want people to like go crazy here. I'm talking about pick and roll short roll, and being able to catch and make really good decisions in the way that Mason Plumley does. Mason Plumley is a great short roll, pick and roll big. I would like to see Isaiah Stewart be able to do that a little bit better, maybe some more stuff off the dribble handoff. That's the aspect of Isaiah Stewart's game I'd like to see improve.
1: So actually it's pretty shocking, and Bryce kind of said this in the middle of this. I just want everyone to know. Bryce told me before (laughs) we started the podcast that he does not keep up with Marvel. I I got in here he was like, what's up, Koo? What's up? I'm like, man, I just got done watching Loki. Man, I'm not feeling good. He's like, oh, what's what's Loki? I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was just in
0: shock. I couldn't believe it. I'm but, I'm gonna lose like a hundred followers, Koo man. You've gained me about a hundred and fifty since you started having me on, but I'm about to lose all of them now. You sold me out. No, you guys, you guys got to go over there and start in, getting Bryce
1: intrigued with the Marvel universe. We need to get him over here, man. We got <laughs> we got to turn him into a fan. But there you go,
0: there you go. I um, think
1: I think, you, I think what you mentioned was actually really really interesting with Isaiah Stewart I did not think about that at all but that is like a that that what you mentioned was actually part of the game that I wrote about Andre Drummond's last season and talked about something I really wanted to see from him and that would make him so much a much better player and I didn't even think about with Isaiah Stewart but yeah I think that definitely would be like a really good addition to his game it would it would take some of his parts parts of his game to the next level
0: yeah so like I say I'm like I know like i I would love to see Isaiah Stewart be a better three-point shooter, more consistent, you know? So like I was just trying, like I said, I'm trying to, you did the shooting thing yesterday, which absolutely I think is the number one priority for this team. And so I'm just trying to do a little bit more kind of out there ones. So my third one, and I have a couple more like kind of fun ones, but Josh Jackson, if I could give him, again, I'm doing the superpower, if he could develop his uh, decision-making I think Josh Jackson would be big time. I think that's his biggest, even outside of his three-point shooting, I think that's his biggest hurdle right now is just straight decision-making. Because you just talked about it with Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes can get to his spots, right? Well, Josh Jackson can get to his spots. He can get to the lane. The problem is he just doesn't make great decisions when he gets there.
1: So the thing is, I actually was thinking about doing that one on the podcast, but I didn't know if like people would be like, Oh, decision-making doesn't count as a skill. So I, like, I leaned back on it. I was like, okay, I'll lean back on it. But I 100% agree with you. I legit was going to pick that one. But I, I've mentioned this a lot of times with Josh as well. And I guess I, I've talked so much about possibly Josh being traded that people probably think I hate Josh. I, have, I really like Josh. I've, I would love to see Josh stay on the team. He's from Detroit. He's a city kid. I, I would love to see him stay with the Pistons. But I've said so many times that if Josh simply could either, one, get a healthy season, and two, just improve his decision-making – he could be such a uh, he would be a really really damn good player because like you said he's able to get anywhere he wants it's just, it's just that once he gets that, that that spot he struggles with okay what's next to do almost every time it's okay score try try to score this bucket and he he lacks that second read of okay this guy's open over here i've done i did what i need to do now it's the, now it's this guy's job he, that's the part where he needs to improve on
0: so one of my favorite terms that my college coach used was the term fool's gold And it's when like a bad shooter takes a bad three to start a game and makes it because that's fool's gold. Because now that bad shooter is going to shoot five more threes when they should be attacking the basket and they're going to miss all five of them. So even though they made the one, they end up going one for six. I think with Josh Jackson, he's so athletic and he's so good with tough finishes around the rim, which is a great skill. But at times it's fool's gold because then he makes one of those tough ones. And then he tries to do it every single time when Sadiq Bey is standing wide open at the three-point line. So I, I love Josh. Um, he's a KU guy. Obviously, I live in Kansas. Um, his defense is really good. He rebounds well. Man, if he was a better decision maker, it'd be incredible.
1: So you just said something. You want to know something funny? So you know how, uh, you, know how you just said he's a KU guy?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-oh.
1: You know, you know, that's like my that's my nickname. So 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 you want let me tell you about a funny story real quick. So and all of you guys listening. So I remember back in middle school when I was on the basketball team, everybody was getting these nice shoes for basketball. And the season was was starting up. And I was like, you know what, mom, I, I need to get some nice shoes. I need to get myself like some dope shoes. Cause all my boys, they're getting some super dope shoes. I'm out here walking around with, I don't remember what they were. I don't even think they were like any of the name brand ones. it might've been like some off brand shoes. it could have been even Shaq's to be honest, who knows? But I was like, I need to get some nice shoes. So then I go on, I think it was eBay or something. And I see a shoe that's red and red, blue and white. So I'm thinking it's a piston shoe or something. I'm like, Oh my God, this looks so cool. And then on the bottom side, like on the bottom right, it says Coup across it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like made for me. So, <laughs> so I, I bought I bought the shoe. I went online to my friends for the next two years saying I had a customized shoe made just for myself for basketball. And it took two years for them to realize that, that hey, this is actually just – isn't this just Kansas? You know, no. And I was like, oh, well.
0: <laughs> I love it. You just you know, bust it. I, you were busted me. <laughs> I'm telling. I, I'm gonna tell all my my boys that I recorded with you. That I record with you, and and I'm gonna tell them that story. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's. A, I, my boys
1: always bring it up. It was always my one friend who just had to be that scumbag man. He could <laughs> never just let me. He could never just let me have fun. Or whatever. He's like, "Cool, this isn't even your customized shoe. This is just a Kansas University." And everyone <laughs> looks at me and it's like, "Wait a second. That is, I was like, <laughs> But
0: <laughs> but anyways so can I throw out three, three kind of fun ones and just just throw them at you and you can you take them with them how you want so um how about Sekou more creation I think there's some of that in Sekou's game that we don't see enough of I think there's more of that Jalil Okafor make him a better defender because the offensive game that dude's a bucket and then Wayne Ellington give him a mid-range game
1: Wayne Ellington. Okay, I didn't think you. I didn't think Wayne Ellington would get included on this list.
0: I'm just. I know. I'm trying to have some fun with it, but I mean, <laughs> that dude, people close out so hard to Wayne Ellington because he's such a big time shooter. So the little pull up midy or a little floater game or something that that he was more willing to shoot. And I'm the analytics guy. I hate the mid range, but um, that would be kind of fun as well.
1: Yeah, I think all those are interesting. I think the most interesting one. Uh, would be actually not most interesting, but it's kind of like a funny one to talk about. It's like the Julio Okafor with defense because if the dude could just simply play defense at all, like you figure that he could at least be a somewhat of a rotational big in yeah. the NBA, but he's just so awful defensively. And then offensively, what he's good at is like kind of like past his time, yes. So, like, if he but if he was simply like decent, defend like a decent defender, I'm sure he could be played on some rotations. It's just he's so awful defensively it's just it's hard to play him at all
0: like his watching back from this season and just doing a little review of his film like his his offensive game his repertoire is really really nice like like all joking aside it's really his footwork in the post he has this nice spin move looks good on his feet moves well beautiful touch like it's really really good so in all seriousness if he defended and I thought his rebounding lacked for me personally anyway. Um, he, he, you're right. He could be a rotational guy.
1: I think one of the things about Julio Okafor that's pretty – that uh, the one thing that I liked seeing from him that was cool to watch from like an aesthetic point of view, uh, I played with some of these – I played with some guys that did this and I noticed it like growing up. I would be like, how, how, what is it that like – because I couldn't like pinpoint what it is, but I kind of can pinpoint it now. He does a real good job of like feeling you. Yes. Like, he knows where you are on your – like, when he posts you up, he knows where you are. So, it's like, when he – like, so one of the things, like, when I guard people in the post, like, up at the uh, uh, at the park or in a pickup game, one of my boys, his name's Deontay, he plays football over at Northern Michigan uh, University. So, he's, like, one of those dudes, I'm just going to overpower you in the post. And he does this really well, too, because he – this is another thing he did. He took ballerina when he was, like, a kid to have a good balance, and he has incredible balance. So, one of the things he does is, like, anytime. He, like, pushes into you, like, bumps into you in the post. Your natural, ink- like, inkling to do it, like, to bump back. And as soon as they feel, like, this is a lot of things that a lot of post guys do. And this is something Jokic does in- incredibly well. He's, like, one of the best guys I've ever watched do it. Is that as soon as he feels you, like, try to bump him or, like, put any kind of force into him, he just immediately spins off you. He, as soon no. as you do, as soon as soon he feels you, he just spins off you. And Okafor kind of does that nice. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I know I went a little tangent right there, but no,
0: that that's a tough skill to develop too, man. Like that's that's tough the feel for that and the patience. It's it's hard as a big or four bigs to catch the ball in the post and be patient and let the everything clear out and then read the defense. Like it it's tough. So it it's definitely one to appreciate. So before we go on any further today on our road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to
1: you by Mitchell of Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So Bryce, right now we got the Suns and Clippers playing in this what could be a closeout game for the Suns. They're up 94 to 82 with 55 seconds left in the third. Do you think the Suns close the Clippers out here?
0: I do. I think I think this this might be Chris Paul's chance, or this might be the year. Kind of a a coming out party for Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And so um, I do. I think the Suns close it out, and then we'll see who they get in the finals.
1: So, yeah, I think the whole coverage around – and we're not going to go too far with that. I just wanted to mention it real quick. I think one of the things with CP3 that kind of throws me off, and I kind of hate it when they – we do this with a lot of players. I don't get it. CP3 is very clearly not in his prime. Like, he's still great. And some of the performances he's put up in the playoffs in his prime – were absolutely cra- like crazy. Like I always remember that shot he hit against the Spurs. I was watching it live uh, for the Clippers. But now like everyone like, like completely forgets about that and puts that to the side and they do it with all kinds of players. But if he wins a ring this year, everyone's going to act like, oh my God, you remember that insane playoff <laughs> run by CP3 You won a ring when this is clearly like not even close to his best, one of his best playoff runs. It's just, I think it's stupid how everything has to be if it's not capped with a ring, it basically was trash and, and didn't mean anything. That's just a
0: peep of mine. Bro, we could we could do a whole hour-long podcast for me. I, I'm glad you said that because I agree wholeheartedly. And I I've been a part of teams that have won conference championships and and all of that stuff. But like it's not just about that. There's a lot of talented teams, talented players. Like at the end of the day, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way or the whistle doesn't go your way, or there's an injury, as we've seen in these playoffs. Like, we can't define entire careers based on whether or not people won championships. Like, I just, that's really tough to do to guys.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. But, all right, so we're at 40 minutes. Bryce, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on with the Pistons? Anything else that you're thinking about?
0: No, nah, not right now. I feel like we covered a lot. That was that was a bunch of the stuff I wanted to do the Cade Cunningham, Jeremy Grant kind of conversation. I appreciate you letting me do the the three skills. When I was listening to the podcast, I was kind of jealous I didn't get in on that. So I was going to tweet it at you. I'm glad I didn't and was able to save it for the for the recording.
1: Absolutely, it was it, it, that was pretty fun. How the the one of my pre, pre, ah, previous guests guy? I, I get so tongue tied on this podcast multiple times. I don't know how I do this. I don't know how. I get paid to do this legit, but (laughs) (laughs) but one of my previous, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But one of my previous guests, Hal, one of my friends, he talks, he's the one who inspired that question. So, and I thought it was a lot of fun too. I I did really like it. So I guess that's it from us here. Um, Oh, actually one question real quick. I just thought about this. Um, So I saw a quote from Ben Wallace that said he thought he would be really good in today's NBA. Just real quick, do you think that's true, or do you are you like not? Would you not buy that? Whoa.
0: No, I think he could still hang. Like I think he'd be all right. I I do think, yeah, he'd be good. I think he would still thrive. I mean, as a defensive anchor, um, I think those guys are still necessary, and you you utilize them. I, you know, the offensive game. You know, obviously worries you. You know. I think it was Keith Black talking about how historically good that defensive team was right on, on this podcast. Yes. And so I think that would be the thing is you would have to find a team that really appreciated and valued what he brought to you defensively, because not every team would probably value that and appreciate it as much as it needed to be.
1: I have serious wor- worries about that him him like fitting or being really good in this era. Uh, Pistons fans will probably get really mad at me about that. I love Big Ben, by the way. I absolutely love Ben, but I, I'm the thing is, is that his offense was just so like was was so bad that I I just get concerned that whether he would actually be able to like would teams keep him on the floor in like this era of just space and play and whatever. So I, I I mean I guess he could probably be like a lobbed because he was a freak athlete. So I guess maybe he could do that.
0: So that's what I was going to say is, and and this is kind of like cheating the question a little bit, but if he was forced to develop his game to fit today, maybe he developed some of that pick and roll game, um, whether it's the lob or whatever, so he could still be an effective offensive player.
1: Yeah, I think that's where he could fit. And then also he was such a freak athlete and was so fast. I think on defense, he could actually be one of those guys who could switch on the perimeter, too. So I think that yes. would be – I don't think you could really take advantage of him on defense. So I think that would – that obviously, no duh, not going uh, – defense is where he's going to make his living. It's just that I think – and he would obviously, like I said, I think he would be able to switch on the perimeter, so he could be even more valuable now. Uh, but I just think that on offense, he would have to develop something. He couldn't be just an absolute zero on offense. Like Agreed. even with Draymond, Draymond's able to play make – Uh, he used to be able to shoot that one season. I don't know what happened, but he's able to play make. (laughs) So he brings that to the table. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I know people clown him, but he's able to set screens and dive to the rim. He's a decent decent pick and roll threat. So if if Ben could just like accept that role and and be pretty good in the pick and roll, like I say, he's a freak athlete. I think that was his chance, but I, I do have worries about it his offensive game being such a complete zero that he wouldn't be able to be as good in this era.
0: Well, you bring up a similar comparison, and I know we're running out of time, but with Gobert, because Gobert is in an offensive system that fits. He's, around, he's surrounded by you know, one, probably the best shooting team in the league, and so there's plenty of space for him just to pick and roll and go catch lobs or offensive rebounds and, and those types of things. So I do think you'd have to find the right fit for him offensively
1: absolutely so I, I think that would be a fun those kind of things i think are fun discussions to have because i think there's so many guys that you can talk about that either one wouldn't be as good in this era or two would be so much better in this era you could go on and on for that uh, i i just think that's a fun conversation to have but thank you bryce for coming on the podcast man i appreciate it let everybody know where they can go follow you and hit you up at
0: yeah just follow follow us at Motor City Hoops on twitter and on facebook um, check out that pod if if you still need some Pistons content after you're done with Locked On Pistons every day. And as always, cool man, I, I had a blast. I enjoy this. I appreciate you having me on every time.
1: Absolutely, man. It's always a lot of fun. Everyone loves listening to you, man. And like I like you said, go follow him on Twitter at Most City Hoops. It's a great follow. Great film breakdown, man. Go check him out. Uh, I've came. Bryce has become a friend of mine. Yeah. I I really appreciate his insight and. You guys definitely need to go follow him. If you guys like Film Breakdown, I know a lot of you guys mentioned to me that you guys really like that Film Breakdown I put out. If you guys like that, you guys want it across the NBA, not just the Pistons. Bryce does that, too. He's been doing it during the playoffs. So definitely go check him out on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. But thank you guys for listening today. I appreciate it. We'll catch you guys on Friday's podcast. Make sure Friday is supposed to be the Kool-Aid segment. You guys tweeted me and said you guys wanted it back. Yes, you guys said you guys wanted it back. You guys tweeted me, so make sure you guys tweet at me, Kuka Hill NBA, or at Locked On Pistons. Your guys a Kool Aid segment or, or submissions. If we do not get enough, if we don't get a ton of them, I cannot do it because I'm not going to milk like the podcast with just like two two submissions. But make sure if you guys want it, I will tweet it as well. But if you guys are still listening, make sure you guys go tweet those at me. But until then, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody, and have a great day.